Ever wonder about what life really is about? I saw a shirt, it's been a number of years ago, and it said, hokey pokey. Is it really what it is all about? Now, see, the younger people don't understand that, but Google hokey pokey. You will understand. Is it really what it is all about? We're born, we live a life for so many years, and then we pass. And that's really summed up, our life summed up in one sentence. That we live, we die, and that's it. For those who don't have the gift of salvation, never accepted Jesus Christ into their lives, that really is what life is all about. For those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to tell you that it's more than that. Our lives should look different. We do have purpose in our lives. And it's not just to live our lives for ourselves and at the end of it, that's it. We're to help others to see Jesus Christ. If your life looks like the first one, hopefully at the end of this service, you'll see that you can change. As Christians, our lives should be doing the work of God. God really dealt with me a few years ago about this, that my life is no longer my own. When I gave it over to him, it's, it's up to him. If he wants me to do something, if he wants me to, to go to China, I, I'm willing to go. If he wants me to do whatever, I'm here to do it. Because I've given my life over to him. I've given my life wholly over to him. And sometimes we say that we do that, but then we hold back. As Christians, our lives should be doing the work of God, to point all to a loving God, to share the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, to help people to follow after an almighty God, and to share with them that there is an eternity coming for each and every one of us. And what will that eternity look like? We need to tell them that they need to be ready Why was this church created? And we, not this building, we are the church. For the same reasons. To see people come to Jesus Christ, understand that there's more to life than just living, but we have a purpose. We have a full fulfillment. That we can live life to the full or live it more abundantly. It's a scripture that hopefully each and every one of you have heard over and over and over again. Are you living your life to the full or more abundantly in John chapter 10, verse 10? That word abundantly in the Greek is perisos. It means to be around super, all around super, or superior, or beyond what is anticipated. That's the kind of life that I want to live that is more than what I expect. It's kind of like that, that, that blessing that I told you about. You know, we knew that we were going to have to pay $1,000, and even the oral surgeon, they thought we were going to have to pay $1,000, but insurance blessed us with an extra $800. That's living abundantly. That's the life that I want to live. Do you understand that the almighty, amazing God loves you just the way that you are? No matter what you've done, what you've said, who you've hurt, the good in your life, the things that you've done right, God loves us just the way we are.
Now, yes, he wants us to change and draw closer to him, but he loves us so much. The God that wants to bless us. I'm not saying that you're not going to go through testings and trials. You will. Look at the, read the Bible. I think most of them went through some kind of testing or trial. There was something in each and every one of their lives that they struggled with. But God, but God was always right there. To Paul the Apostle, who went through so much shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonment, God spoke to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. God has given us his greatest gift of love. And what he tells us in 1 John 4, 8 is that we are to show love to one another because he is love. God is love. In 1 John 5, 3, it reads, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. That's what we're supposed to do. Keep his commandments. It's easy, right? <laughs> Got some mumbles. I tell people, I've broken Christianity down to two easy steps. And this is the easiest that I can make it. Number one, knowing right from wrong. And then number two, doing that which is right. Easy, right? Come on. Knowing right from wrong and doing that which is right. Stand with me if you will. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of this age. Not just go and live your life, and then comes death. He's told us to go and make disciples. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just help me over the next few minutes to share your word. Help us to receive your word. And Father, I pray, commission us then to go and make disciples. Pray a blessing over the ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to talk about two people in the Old Testament and talk about their abundant lives. Moses knew that eventually he was going to die and uh, he was in charge of millions of people. And so he wanted to leave them someone that would continue on and, fo and, and follow after uh, what God the Father had spoken unto him. And he chose Joshua to pour into his life. Let's look at Numbers chapter 27. It says, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be a sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. Verse 20, You shall invest with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eliezer, the priest, and shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. 
and his word shall go out, and as the word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him and the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eliezer, the priest, and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, and he said, and as the Lord had directed Moses, as he, I'm sorry, commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Number one, we need to be an investor, an investor. Verse 20, you shall invest him with some of your authority. That's what was Moses' command from God. Moses was told to invest in Joshua. Moses was told to invest in Joshua. Not, not, financially, not financially, but invest his life into him. The word invest means to clothe. It means to put on. That's what that word means. That he was to clothe him, that he was to put on him. It shows that there's a significant relationship between the two. When a man and a woman get married, they're investing in that relationship. They're investing in one another. On the job, you'll see that you, lots of times you have a boss, and he'll take time to invest in you. He'll invest his time, his efforts. He'll give you the skills and everything that you need so that you can do the job. It's kind of like he's clothing you. He's investing you. He's imparting into you. He's pouring into you what you need to do that job. The clothing, though, is a reflection of the leader. The clothing is a reflection of the leader. If you have children, you are to invest in them. Proverbs 22.6, you've heard this many times. Train up a child in a way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is a huge responsibility with great rewards. If it's done right. I ask couples a lot of times so when uh, they find out they're going to get pregnant. So people have told you that your life is going to change now that you're pregnant, correct? Yes. Have they told you how it's going to change? No. And we're not going to tell you either. You have to find out on your own. Then they kind of walk with their head down. <laughs> what did we do? You will find out. <laughs> they start out as little helpless bundles of joy that we have to feed, that we have to watch 24-7, that we have to change their diapers, that we have to protect, we have to train, we have to do all these things. For the next 18 to 22 years, and I know some of them need it past 22 years, I read this the other day. It, in uh, 2018, it cost to raise a child to the age of 18, $284,570. Now, I consider myself a very wealthy man. I have two children, so it means that I have a half, at least a half a million dollars sitting in the service next service. And then I wonder why I don't have any money. They're the ones that get it. Let me tell you, though, it's more than money. But teach them how to be responsible and teach them how to be adults. And that's the job that God has given unto parents. Listen, it's not easy, and there are no perfect parents. I can prove it. 
Mary and Joseph, the mother of Jesus, left him behind one time when he was 10 years old. I thought Mary had him. I thought Joseph had him. That was before cell phones that they could just call back. Is, is Jesus with you? They had to go back and get him. There's no perfect parents. I have to put on or I have to clothe my children with wisdom, discernment, book smarts. I have to raise them in the ways that they should go so when they get older. The greatest investment that I can make, though, into their life is a spiritual investment. Is a spiritual investment. I'll say this, but I won't say this in the second service. My son, he loves to worship God. He'll be, he'll be back tonight because he loves these nights. And if you're back tonight, don't do it all the time. Take 10 seconds and watch him. I love to watch my son worship God because he does it with all of his might. He really does. He, just, he and I have talked about this, and he and I worship the same way. We don't care who's around us. We don't care who's in the room because it's the almighty, loving, compassionate God that we are looking to. That's who we're looking to. That's, he's the one that's in the room. It's not the people in the room. The best thing that I can do is train my child in the ways that he should go spiritually to help them that one day that they will make decisions to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. My daughter did it when she was five years old. My son did it when he was six years old came to us and we sat down and my daughter, I remember my daughter, she goes, I, I want to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. We said, okay, what's that mean? And she was raised in this church a lot and in a uh, church in Columbia. She knew exactly what it meant and we prayed with her to ask Jesus Christ into her heart. My son did the same thing. Encourage them to read their Bibles and read it in front of them. Teach them to pray. Now listen, I can't clothe somebody if I don't have it in me. Did you get that? I can't put into my children if I don't have it in me. That means that I have to walk the walk. I have to live it in front of them. They have to see that. They have to know that I care enough that one of these days they will stand before God. And I am responsible for their upbringing. I need to be a living example in front of them. There's a, a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15. It's a great story of clothing. And it says, and he rose up and he came to his father, talking about the prodigal son. He rose up and he came to his father. And the issue was is that he had asked his father for his inheritance so that he could go and live on his own. He said, I, I don't want to live here anymore. He was kind of being rebellious, and so he asked his father, can I have my share of the inheritance? He went out and he spent it foolishly, and he comes to the place where he's feeding the pigs, and he looks at the slop that he's given unto them, and he's hungry because he doesn't have any money to eat. And he says... Maybe if I just go home, my dad will make me a servant. 
if I can just be a servant in his house, I know that my dad, the godly man that he is, that he'll take care of me. So this is where it picks up, and he says, and he rose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to celebrate. What an illustration physically of clothing him. That he raised him in the ways that he should go. The son decided that he wanted to go off on his own. He came to his senses and he came back to his dad. And sometimes I think in these situations, father would say, Psh, get out of here. Don't want to have anything to do with you. Which is sad. I know friends when I was in Bible college that uh, asked them, hey, you going home for Thanksgiving? No, can't go home. They made a decision to follow after God, and when they made that decision, their parents said, if you go to Bible college, you can never come back here. Wow. Decisions that we make. The father's son walked away. When he comes back, his father clothes him takes him back in. Doesn't make him a servant, but says he was dead and now he's alive again. He, was, he had invested in him from birth and now he's returning. He's investing in him again. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you have fallen away from God. Your parents raised you in ways that you should go. And you're sitting here this morning not by accident. You need to make a decision to come back to him. Some of you have children who have wandered away from God. Your children were raised in the church, and now they're not even going to church, not doing anything, living godless lives. Hold on to Proverbs chapter 22, 6, and I'll tell you that my heart goes out to you. In fact, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for each and every one of those kids. Father, you know who they are who their parents are, their grandparents are right now in this sanctuary. And I pray that you would touch those kids. Father, wherever they are this morning, this second, that they would see that they need you. That they would see that there's a mom or a dad, there's grandparents, there's an aunt and uncle who have been praying for them. And Father, I pray today, this minute, that they would come back to you. Father, let, let these get phone calls this afternoon saying that their kids have changed their life around. Next Sunday, let us see them in church with mom and dad. Father, I pray, touch hearts in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me also say in a couple of weeks, as I've already done, we're going to have VBS. That's a great time for us to invest in children, in children. How many of you growing up went to VBS Vacation Bible School? Raise your hand. See? It's worth investing in.
It's up to us to clothe these kids, to bring them a little bit of God and to hug on them and to have fun and laugh. And some of these kids, I'm generally a greeter, so I see them as they're coming in. And some of them, I wonder about their home lives and, and what's taking place as they're growing up. And uh, some of those kids, you just want to go and you just want to hug on them and probably the first hug they've had in a long time. Be praying for our children, for our volunteers, and for our staff, if you will. Number two, we need to be an example. Exodus 24. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me to the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law of the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, to the spiritual leaders, he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Ur and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Moses took Joshua, Joshua wherever he went. Moses took Joshua wherever he went. He tells the, the elders, the spiritual leaders, listen, you stay here. Joshua and I are going up on a mountain. We're going to get these tablets from God, and then we'll be back. Joshua was taking it all in. Just like so many others of the Bible, we are taking someone with us on this journey. One thing I know is that people are watching us all the time. Whether you believe it or not, people are watching us all the time. My wife and I, we, we love to, to watch people. We'll go out to the fair, maybe sitting in an airport, and just watch people and try and figure them out a little bit. Say, whoo, that outfit doesn't go together. Man, that hair, hmm. I mean, I have nothing to complain about. They have hair, so. <laughs> you know, take Walmart, for example. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. See anything and everything. People watching, people are watching, but your children are doing the same thing, and what do they see? The thing is, is they're picking up what you are putting down. I say all the time that you are because of your parents and experiences in your life. That's what makes you who you are. And where do you think that your kids get it from? They get it from you. We have all said it, I don't want to become like my parents. And then as we get a little bit older, we become like our parents. Because that's what we learned, right? That's what we were taught in growing up. Not just your children, but others are also watching. What do others see in you? Anger, gossip, malicious, liar, cheat? Or do they see Christ-like qualities being lived out? Patience, goodness, kindness, mercy? David was a great example. He was a leader that taught the men who were around him about godliness. Twice he has an opportunity to kill Saul. Twice. In fact, his men were like, let's kill him. You have opportunity. And David, he takes another twist on this. His men were telling him to kill Saul and that he would become king. They were living in caves and out in the woods and all these different things, having to fight for everything they needed. King Saul was coming after just to kill one man, David. Besides the hundreds of men that David had in his charge, there were others who were watching. And in 1 Samuel chapter 24, look at, look at David as an example. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord is said to, said to you. Behold, 
I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall be good to you. And David arose and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and he left the cave and he went on his way. David was teaching them what was right. Christianity comes down to two things. Knowing what's right, what's wrong, and doing what's right. David did that. David did that. Moses had millions of eyes watching him. And he was leading Joshua to be the next leader. Moses, Moses took Joshua wherever he went. And Moses spoke into Joshua's life. There's a little saying that I heard just a couple of months ago that I really liked. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take someone with you. I love it. Because I want to go far. We can always go fast. That means take somebody along with you to enjoy the journey that you have. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to, take, if you want to go far, take someone with you. Moses went far. This life is long, but it'll be over quickly. This life is long, but it'll be over quickly. When we look back, what will we see? What have I accomplished? What is my legacy? What is my legacy? One of the saddest things that I've ever seen, and I've seen this a couple of times, is when I've done funerals. And there's only been two or three people there for a funeral. I'm like, wow. It wasn't that they were mean people or they were angry. There was one time it was a mother, and the only two people that came were her two sons. I'm like, she didn't have any friends, and how sad. There was no legacy there. There was nobody that she touched in life. Let me say also that there are one more set of eyes that are always on you. In Psalms 32, 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the ways which you should go, and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. With my eye upon you. Lastly, number three, to be a lover of people is what we need to do. Let's continue on with Moses in Exodus chapter 32. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin, and now I go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord, and he said, alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book, out of your book that you have written. Wow. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Moses was basically saying, listen, put the blame on me. I love these people enough that I don't want them to suffer. Moses was an example. Moses loved the people so much he was willing to give up his name in that book. What is it all really about? When we come 
when we become Christians, our motivation, our purpose, what is it all about? To show the love of God. To show the love of God. When you show the love of God, you're showing God and who he really is. I know that all the good in my life is because of God. All the bad in my life is because of Paul Rose. And that's just the truth. And I know it. One of the greatest to show love was Mother Teresa, a great nun who gave her life in serving the poor. She was an example of humbleness. And she did an interview, and I found this quote. It says, this is her, I see God in every human being. When I wash the leopard's wounds, I feel I'm nursing to the Lord himself. Is it not a beautiful experience? Wow. Billy Graham is quoted, the badge of Christian discipleship is not orthodoxy, but love. But love. There's another little saying. It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love. We have the greatest ability to make disciples of others, of our children, and others that we meet. But we have to have love. God has called us to do that. He has called us to raise our children in the ways that they should go, to be an example of Christ-likeness, to take them along with us, that they can see that when they grow up, that they would be a blessing unto us and unto God. And I know that I have failed many, many times. I've had great examples in my life, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, other ministers, friends, my wife, my kids, have all been examples to me. They have invested in me with love. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of how we are to live. For all to see and to do the work of God, which is, is to make disciples. That's the Great Commission. We are supposed to do the commands of God, and God command that we are to make disciples. So we must invest in their life. We must help them to see, take them along this journey and understand that God knows and he sees. At the end of my race, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessings of eternal life. More, Moses poured into Joshua's life as a great leader of the children of Israel. And you can go and read the rest of the story, but more than a great leader, he was a great follower of God. An example to the people Joshua led him from that point on. So let me close with a question. What does your life look like? Are you investing? Are you being an example? And are you loving? And are you loving? The command was given unto us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God has given us an order. It takes me to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then I'm to turn around and do the exact same thing. Help others see Jesus Christ 
as an example, after I invest in them, after I love on them. And it's amazing how God will bless you. God will bless you. Had the opportunity the other night to invest into a young man. Things weren't going good. And I told Kim, I said, I'm going to go spend some time with him, and I did. And I really thought after I left, that was useless. Nothing's going to come of it. He had a bad attitude and really didn't, I didn't think, want to hear from me. And so a couple of days later, I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And believe it or not, the young man showed up again, which I didn't think that he would. And his attitude was changed. <laughs> I was like, wow. I hope I had just a little bit of input into that. I don't know. I haven't had the opportunity to talk to him, and I spent a little bit of time with him, and, and, uh, but we didn't talk about what had happened a couple days before. He was ready to give up, and I wasn't ready to give up on him. Know that you're an example. Good or bad, you're an example. And understand that we have the greatest gift ever given to man, and we should share it. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just help us. Father, that we can see that you gave your son to die on a cross for us. And Father, we need Jesus Christ more than we need anything else. And I pray that you would just minister unto us. Father, if there's any here today who have never accepted you as Lord and Savior, let this be the minute. Father, let this be the minute. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed, you're here this morning and you've never made that decision in your life. Or maybe you have and you've fallen away from God. It's as easy as just giving it all back to him, coming as the prodigal son, going unto the father, and just saying, I'm sorry. And if you're here today and you'd like to make that decision, you'd like to tell God that you're sorry, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands right where you're at that we can pray with you. Is there any here this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you will and if we'll all pray this prayer together Heavenly Father I come to you now and I ask that you forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness I know Jesus died for me and took my sins on the cross I thank you for the cross and for the blood of the Lamb. And I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen.